everybody welcome to another episode of coffee hour my name is paul abernathy and welcome and as you know these come up at any time this was the reason that we got away from the thursday night set schedule because i like to create content at my leisure when i can and so that's where coffee hour came from so it doesn't matter what time of the day it is um just get your coffee and uh and join me for an episode where we learn the national electrical code and your ability to interact and be involved uh, with that as well. So, um, okay. So with that said, I got to tell you really up front what we got going on first. So I'll make it uh, up front is we have our new mugs that are over. not using it today because I have two sizes, this one, the bigger one, and another size. And uh, I will remind you that I'm going to do a little deal. If you go over to electricianpride.com and get your mug to support the show, then when you do it, take a picture of yourself with your mug, email it to us, and I will give you one month's free access to our exclusive membership only over on our website. So you buy a mug, I'll give you a month free, let you taste it, not just what you put in the mug, but let you taste our membership See if you like the videos, if you like the webinars that we've recorded, see if you like access to the Wednesday night sessions, because you do get access with that with your monthly subscription. Uh, there's two different sizes of mugs. So if you want to support the show, visit Electrician Pride. Again, electricianpride, P-R-I-D-E.com. Pick yourself up a mug, show your support. Again, two sizes. I personally recommend the 15 ounce larger one, but again, you have the smaller one if you like it as well. Now, I'm going to drink copious amounts of coffee today, so I went with an even bigger one. We don't have the monster sizes yet, but we hopefully will add those at a later date. All right, so we've got our coffee, and we're going to get into today's topic. Now, I should do something really quickly, uh, just real quickly before I get too into this. I want to make sure that I turn off my uh, auto-zoom, because I don't want it to auto zoom here. I want it to stay focused on me. And so let's just do that. Okay, close. All right. I want it to stay focused on me. All right. So today we are going to be looking at something that a lot of times you'll see on an exam. They'll only give you one type of question, right? So they'll only give you something, for example, we're going to do single motor branch circuit sizing. And this came up because we had a student in the Fast Tracks program 
who ask a question and I wanted to be able to answer their question. And then I realized that I would give them an answer, but I wanted to go deeper because typically on a lot of exam preps and even the books that you buy, and there's some great books out there that teach you to learn the code. And obviously our course teaches you all that. But um, sometimes people say, well, there's a real world and there's a code world for exams. And when they teach you these things, sometimes we're only teaching you the, the bare basics when it comes to sizing a brand circuit for a motor. And then we're only talking about one aspect of the sizing process. And I want you to realize that there are multiple uh, ways that you would size conductors for a brand circuit to a single motor, for example. So that's kind of what we're going to go over today and shows you all the possible outcomes that you would have to take into consideration. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at today. And so we have a presentation that I'm going to do and uh, walk you through all of that. So uh, let's go on and get started into that. I'll go on and jump into the presentation. Okay, so we've got everything. We're good to go. And we'll get started into it. So we've got uh, episode five. We're now doing this through our Coffee Hour platform. Okay, so in the future, you'll see all of the uh, Q&A stuff through this uh, Coffee Hour platform. Everybody seems to like the Coffee Hour platform, so we'll be moving through that. Okay, so let's go on. Let me go on and get to the presentation here. Okay, so we're going to be looking at a question here uh, that is uh, typically found uh, on an exam, but maybe not as detailed as what we have here. All right, so when you're preparing for an exam, a couple things to take into consideration. Uh, you might get a question that is not nearly as detailed as this. And so this would be more like a real-world situation, although it could very easily be used on an exam. Uh, but I'm going to show you how this may vary and how you need to take these things into consideration. Uh, and, and you may already know how to do this, so this might not be new to you. Uh, but I can tell you that most exams or most prep books will tell you a motor, and you go look up the FLC, the full load current. Uh, and then when you do that, then you go back to a single motor under 430.22, and you take it, if it's continuous duty, we take it at 125%, you size your conductor and you move on. So the question came up with, okay, everybody thinks that's all you do. Well, what if some type of condition of use was in play? So what if you had a situation where like in our question, the, there's an ambient temperature correction that needs to take place because the expected ambient temperature in the location where these branch circuits are being run to this motor are at 115 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is higher than 86 degrees Fahrenheit. And, and so that's what the typical ampacity from 31016 uh, in your National Electrical Code comes from. So that's where we typically get our ampacities. Uh, but in this case, it's not 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So that tells us that we're going to have to do some type of correction to take place in order to compensate because of the heat, uh, or in this case, an elevated ambient temperature. So we know we've got to do something. Unfortunately, again, most exams will only get, and, and maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately, uh, maybe that's a good thing for exams where they only are going to give you the motor and you go look up the FLC, then you go to the single conductors in 430.22A, and you go 125%, and then you go and you size the conductor, right? 
Um, and we're not really talking about short circuit ground fault protection, the overcurrent protection. We're just talking sizing the conductors in this episode. So let's look at the question so that we can break this thing down. This is a given now. It says the motor is on the end of a 25 feet or a foot conduit run that contains only three conductors at an expected ambient temperature of 115 degrees Fahrenheit. What are the minimum size THWN copper conductors required to serve a continuous duty design B 25 horsepower 208 volt three phase motor? All right, now, most of the motors that we're going to deal with are going to be designed B, C, or D, depending. There is an A, B, C, D, and this is all based on the MG1 NEMA ratings for the different motors. And later, we'll look at an example uh, of those different ratings. But in this case, most of the motors, especially on the exam, unless they state otherwise, most of your general use motors are going to be designed B, right? Um, so we're using it in this scenario. So we know the variables that we've got, right? We've got a 25 horsepower motor. We have a 208 volt. We know it's three phase. We know it's continuous duty, okay? We also know the conductors. In this case, THWN is the conductor insulation of choice. And we know that it's being located in an ambient temperature of 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, like I said, if you go back and look at most of your online exams, if you go back and look at books that you use, textbooks that you use, um, even the books that I help write with uh, Mr. Simmons. And we don't give an example of what happens when you have an ambient or a number of current carrying conductors type of adjustment. So that's what we want to talk about today because I think it's real important that we understand how we, we assume things, but then there's other parts of the code that have to apply. So that's what the whole purpose of this episode is. Okay, so the first thing we want to do here, step one, and this is by no means the only way that you can do this. Um, if you choose to, to do it in other paths, in other words, other you want to do it in different pieces and bring it all together, that's totally up to you. But in this case, this is how I do it and how I follow the process, right? So the first step is to determine the FLC, uh, the fluid load current of a 25 horsepower, 208 volt, three-phase motor, right? And so that's typically what, what I would do first, okay? So we would go to the code. Now, the first thing that I would do here is, well, let's go on and, and bring up exactly what we would do, All right? So we would look here. And so I would go to 430, 250, because it is three-phase, right? So I'm going to go to the back of the code book. I'm going to go to 430, that 250, get my values. So I'm going to do that. And you've got it here, right? So as you can see, I'm in the code book here and I am very much, let's see if I can orient it for you right here, table 430.250, right? And it was 208 right here. And I'm going to come down and coordinate it with the 25 horsepower, which is right here. So I come over and there is 74.8 amps, right? So this is what the code book says. So that's what we've got. So we, we're good there. All right. So that's our start. So that's where we've got our values. That's what the code book says. That's what the FLC is. Um, we're not worrying about nameplate. That'd be a different value uh, than what we have here because this tells us to use the FLC. Okay. So we're good so far. Yeah. All right. Let's go on now to the next step. Okay. So the next step 
is we've got that out of the way when it comes to the, the FLC. It says identify the proper temperature rating of a THWN copper conductor. Now, depending on how savvy you are in the code and what you know, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that the nomenclatures or the, new, the number, the letters and things like that that are on the insulation tell you a lot about the insulation, right? Tell you an awful, awful lot about it. So learning it is crucial for you to learn these different values. So what we're going to do, though, is, as it says, we'll, we'll just go to our next step in the process. And we need to go to 310.4, table 310, and verify what THWN actually is. Okay, so that's our, that's our next step that we're going to do. So let's go on and do that. And I will get my code book. And I will go to 310.4, which did change, by the way, in the 2020. Uh, used to be 310.104 back in the 2017, but here we are. Okay, so here we go. And as we can see right now, we have THWN. THWN right here. And we see that it is 75 degrees C, dry and wet locations, right? So THWN, and we weren't given a location, but what we were given was the fact that we have THWN. So in this case, it doesn't matter. Dry, wet, doesn't matter. It's 75 degrees C. So that's what we're going to be working out of, right? That's so important. Why? Because if it was THHN and we knew it was a dry location, for example, guess what? Then we could use a 90 degree rated insulation for adjustment and corrections. But we can't here because THWN is, guess what? It's only good for 75 degrees. So we have to stick there. Important things to remember as we move further in. So let's go on and Get back to the thing. So we know that we've got a rating. So we've established that. So let's go on and do that. So we know that it's 75 degrees C, wet or dry, and it's 2020 NEC. It's kind of irrelevant. It's the same for both. So it doesn't really matter for that. Okay. All right. So there we go. So we've got that application in it. We're good to go so far. So that's step two. We got all these things that we need to know, right? We, we, we know what the FLC is. Now we know what our conductor rating is based on this right here. So the next step is we need to select the proper, okay, correction value, okay? So you have adjustments for number of current carrying conductors that are over three. We don't have that in here. It made it clear that it was only three. Uh, and then we had the issue of the correction for that 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Because we know, you know, I know, we all know, uh, even Jackerson knows that we have to use 310.16 and we are going to be using what? The values for what our condition is. And we said it was 75 degree rated insulation. So that's what we're working with, right? So we need to select, and we know that we have to do some kind of correction for this elevated ambient temperature, right? All right, so with that said, what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna go into the code and you know, make sure I share all these screens with you. We're gonna to go to table 31015B1 of the 2020 NEC, okay? And that didn't change with the 2017, but some of the stuff changed for the adjustments actually changed in the 2020 versus the 2017, but we're talking about corrections here for the ambient, okay? All right, so let's do that. And obviously I've got my third camera set up and I'm kind of giddy rather than take you to the code online. 
I like the camera. So, you know, got to use it. You pay for it. You got to use it, right? So let's go to 310. Okay, so we'll go here. And here we're at, right here. All right, so in our case, it was 115 degrees Fahrenheit. So there we go. There's 114 through 122. And since we know we're in the 75 degrees C conductor temperature insulation rating, that's where we're going to be. This is an important thing to keep that straight rule, okay? Because it can get, if you get old, buddy, let me tell you what, these numbers can come together really quickly. So we go down here and it looks like it's 0.75. That would be the 114 through 122. So that's obviously going to be our 115 degree rated. And this column is for Fahrenheit. So we know that our modifier is going to be 0 0.75. Seven, five. Now, interesting thing, when we're doing adjustments and we're going to use 310.15C1, that's the 2020 code, um, when we're doing that one, oh, in the 2017, that's 310.15B3A, I believe. But in the 2020, in the adjustments on 310.15C1, it actually gives you a percentage and you have to convert to a decimal for your math, right? Start from the right and move two places to the left. So it's point whatever. And here they give you the actual decimal value that you would use, knowing that it's equal to taking that 0.75 and moving it two spaces to the right. It's 75%. Okay, just, just so you know. So we're using 0.75. That's what we're going to use. Okay, for our just, okay, sound good? All right, so now we're back at our example here. So that's our modifier, 0.75. That's what we're using, okay? All right, so let's go on to the next day. So what do we know so far? Let's recap real quick. We know what our FLC is, got it. We, we know what our temperature ratings are for degree, that's 75 degrees C. We now know what our modifier is for that 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Remember, if we didn't have a modifier, if it was the temperatures were 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, then we pull ampacity straight from 310.16. But it's not the same. So we have to do something to it. Why? Because that elevated temperature plays an effect because as you have current traveling through conductors, it generates heat. If you put a bunch of conductors together, it generates more heat, mutual heating. So then you place this in a, in a location with elevated ambient temperatures, you're already pushing that rating of that insulation to its max. So we have to do something to account for that. And usually it means dropping and adjusting the conductor size in order to compensate for that, the amount of current that it can carry. So that's why we do these adjustment and corrections, okay? And it's very important you understand that, how to do that. All right, so we've got everything we see here on screen. Let's go on to the next thing we need to solve. Okay, so we've got all our variables, right? Everything looks good for us. So let's look at it two ways. Now here's where people usually get confused. On most exams, you probably, or I shouldn't say most exams, in most exam prep books and most books that are out there you can buy, they will give you an example where they would not give you that 115 degrees Fahrenheit. It would just be without that. It would tell you the conductor, it would tell you the motors, horsepower and everything. And it would be pretty simple at that point, right? But in this case, we have a condition of use that we must take into consideration, okay? So that's why this is, the lesson is so important. Not just for an exam, but real life. That's what we're dealing with, right? Real life applications. Right. So this is what we're looking at. And so let's kind of go on to. OK, so the first thing we want to do is we're going to solve this as if it was an exam question that did not give us that 115 degrees Fahrenheit, because I think it's only fair 
for me to show you what you might see on an exam. And don't worry, at the end, I'm going to give you an illustration to, to hammer this home for those that love illustrations. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's look at what it would be if you got an exam question where it did not have that 115 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, again, probably in 99% of your textbooks out there. And I don't know that they just forget to throw it in there, but most of the time they just teaching you branch circuit sizing for a single motor and they don't really bring into other conditions of use, which implies to many people that you don't have to consider those conditions of use. But again, chapters one through four generally require, so this is in chapter four, but you're going to see that we have other provisions that we have to follow in chapter two that are going to come into play. Then it may or may not change the size of this conductor. Just depends. We're not there yet. Okay. So the first thing we need to do is, so when we're sizing a motor, we know that when doing single conductor sizing, that we're going to go to 430.22. So what does 430.22 say? All right, well, as you know, I want to play with my overhead camera. Got a new toy, folks. I know. Some people will say, big deal, Paul. It's an overhead camera. You got one? You got one? All right, just saying. All right. Okay, so let's go to... 430, I got a tab for that, by the way, okay? These are crappy tabs here. We don't make tabs anymore, by the way, anybody asks. We just stopped because it's too labor-intensive to make tabs. Okay, so let's kind of look and see what we got here. I'll go back and uh, go to the overhead view here and see what we've got here. So here's what we've got right here, and you can't see it, so I will move the code book up a little bit rather than move the camera. So here's 430.22. If it's blurry, I'm sorry. You can always grab your code book. I encourage you to always have your code book handy. All right, can't carry it with you. Have one in the bathroom, have one in the living room, have one in the den, have a code book everywhere. Better yet, subscribe and have it on your phone. Just saying. All right, so here is for a single motor. And of course, we're under part two for motor circuit conductors. And here it says conductors apply a single motor used in a continuous duty, that was in our question, uh, application shall have an ampacity of not less than, now notice this language, not less than. So this is a minimum rule, not less than 125% of the motor's FLC rating. Could it be greater than this? Absolutely. When is an example it might be greater than this? When there's an ambient or a correction that's required, an adjustment or correction. That could be a good example. We're going to look at that today. This is a minimum rule. So while we do have allowances, for example, for conductors to be of a smaller size, put on a short circuit ground fault device in 430.52, and they might seem weird to have a big breaker and small conductors because we're allowed to do that in 240.4G. But that has nothing to do with this. This is about the effects of a condition of use on that insulation as it's placed in here. Okay, that's something that we have to take into consideration. And there's nothing in here that says we don't take that consideration. Okay, so here is, so that is a minimum rule, okay, that we have, <clears throat> not less than 125%. Okay, so in our example, if we were doing this, and this was an exam question that did not have an ambient on it, then it's a fairly simple question, right? So what we would do, is go back to the presentation here and we would just take the FLC, which we gathered earlier, 
And we would multiply that by 125% or 1.25. I like to convert everything into decimals, uh, which you start at the five and move two places to the left on a percentage. In this case, 1.25. That is 93.5 amperes. Okay. With that said, then we would go to table 31016, right? And under the 75 degree column, okay, since we have 75 degree rated insulation, and if you go look at 110.14C14, it'll actually show you that since it's a design B, that it would be, even though it's less than 100 amperes, it still would be okay because the insulation is rated 75. The terminals on a motor can typically are rated 75, and the device is going to be rated 75. Okay, and of course our insulation is rated 75, so we're all good there, right? So everything so far sounds good. So if we go to the code book and we go to 31016 for ampacity, and we'll do that just to make sure we stay consistent with our teaching process. So here we're at here, as you can see, 31016 ampacities, okay? And we're in THWN right here, okay? You notice that's not over here. We have no dash two on our example, so we're right here. And we go down and we have to have a conductor that handles that. So it looks like it would be a three gauge. It's good for 100 amperes, right? So that's our size. So with that said, based on everything that we have, if we were not taking the ambient into consideration, which is again, probably what you're gonna get on an electrical exam, but I want you to understand what you could run into. So you're prepared so that you don't freeze up on an exam or you don't have any issues. You know, my goal is not like some of these uh, people out there who do podcasts and videos. Um, I'm not after the attention. What I'm after is for you to be successful. You can agree or disagree with me, but if you're going to disagree, then base your case. Here, I'm basing my case, and I'm hopefully you learn from it, okay? So... Here you see that we have a conductor. So three gauge would be what we would use for this based on this question, the way it's written right here, okay? If we didn't can take the ambient into consideration. Of course, you and all do know you have to uh, take that ambient into consideration. But now before we look at the condition where we do take the ambient, I wanted to show you something that's from the Engineering Toolbox online. Great resource for folks online. Check out engineeringtoolbox.com. This kind of, and I used to work for NEMA, so we have a NEMA with this, I believe it's the MG1 standard. Um, it's all about motors. Um, here you see the different designs. Uh, so typically you would see, and in 110.14 C14 talks about BC and uh, D motors, which is probably gonna be the predominant of motors you're gonna get. So even if it doesn't tell you the design inside of uh, your code question, by the way, I would always default to design B. You can do what you want. But that's typically what I would default to. Um, and so again, we also have provisions in 110.14C. One is that if the insulation's rated for it and all the terminals are rated for it, then you can use it even though it would be less than 100 amps. So um, if you haven't watched my derating demystified video, of course you can't get it unless you're a monthly subscriber. And remember my little thing of the day. If you go to electricianpride.com and you order one of our mugs to show support, and you're not a monthly subscriber, then send me a picture of you with your mug having some coffee and email it to us and I will give you access to our members only area for one full month for you to make a decision whether or not you see any benefit to it. It also gives you access to our Wednesday night exclusive exam prep classes to bring whatever question you want. We will discuss it during the exam prep 
Okay, so there you go. That's my special deal for this coffee hour. All right, and it comes in two sizes, by the way. Get the big one; it's a better one. All right, it's like a buck, two more, or something. Anyway, all right. So these are the different designs: A, B, C, and D. And as you can see, with B, is suited for a broad variety of applications and normal starting torques, not a high torque, low torque, normal starting, normal motors, different like HVAC applications, fans, blowers, pump. Typically, most of them, those are going to be design B. We give you that in the example, but if you didn't give an example, I would still consider 75 degree terminals for a motor, okay? Because again, just, just go with that and you'll have people that say no, whatever, but they probably, one, never wrote an exam, two, have never been on a committee, and three, have never done exam prep for in their life, okay? In fact, they probably didn't even earn their exam. It was probably gifted to them. You know what? Or it might be that they're riding the coattails of their daddy or something. I don't know. You never know, right? Anyway, let's go on to the next one. All right, so those are our givens. So now, what do we have to do? Now, now here's where we're going to shift gears because now we're going to get into the real world. And in our question, there is an ambient temperature to take into consideration, right? We have to take that into consideration. You can't discount it. You, you just can't. Nothing in 430 tells us we can't, all right? So we got to size that conductor. Now let's look at it with the ambient. So next thing we need to do is go to 210.19A1B. Now, since A1A is the same 125%, we don't need to compare that one for this branch circuit. But in 210.19A1, you would compare A1A versus A1B. And whichever results in the larger conductor, that's the size of conductor you're going to use, Okay. And we've talked about that in other episodes. That is where if it's a continuous load, you take the continuous load at 125% and the non-continuous load at 100%, you add them together and you compare that to A1B, which would be the actual load after adjustment and correction, whatever conductor can handle the actual load. Again, you remember the load is without that, 100, that extra 25%. It's whatever the actual load, in our case, the FLC, after adjustment and correction, you need a conductor can at least handle that ampacity. Whichever of those results in the larger conductor, that's the one you use. That's what 210.19 is. And that is brand circuit. So I think what a lot of people lose sight of is that even though we're working a motor, that's still a branch circuit. So nothing removes the fact that we still have rules in 210.19 that we have to take into consideration for. You with me? All right. So let's go on and do this. And we know what the results are, and we know what our multiplier was, and that was the 0.75. Remember, we did that earlier. That's the multiplier for that 115%. I mean, excuse me, the 115 degrees Fahrenheit. So we have a 0.75 multiplier that we're going to utilize. Now, what we want to do real quick is I will go on and show you that. Again, staying on, on point for what we do, um, I will go to 210.19, and you won't be able to see it very well, but I want to go to it anyway. Why? Because I like to, again, want to play with my camera, okay? Because I got one, right? So here it is right here, and you see what it says, 210.19, conductors. So we're talking about the conductors for the branch circuit. So A, the A1 says, branch circuit conductors shall have an ampacity not less than the larger of 210.19A1A or A1B and comply with 110.14C for equipment terminals. Terminations. We've covered all that. So all that's kind of been covered. We, we've established what we're doing with this. Now, A 
talks about when you have continuous loads and if you have continuous loads with non-continuous loads. Okay, so A is only triggered, um, A1A is only triggered when we have a continuous load, all right? So in this case, we wouldn't use A1A, which is 210.19A1A. We wouldn't use that because in our case, the 125% applies to the motor. The motor's the only load we're dealing with. And 430.22 gave us that direction. So we've already done that. That was a three gauge. We're done. Here's the one you have to take into consideration right here. This one says, the minimum brand circuit conductor size shall have an ampacity of not less than the maximum load to be served after the application of any adjustment or correction factors in accordance with 310.15. Okay, so there we go. So this is interesting because it's still a branch circuit. And if 430.22A at 125% of the FLC was the larger conductor, then we actually by proxy would meet 210.19A1A. However, this branch circuit has a correction that has to take place. So it very much brings B into play here for that conductor. Now, it might ultimately end up being the same size. We have to see that, right? We don't know that yet. So we got to see that. Okay. So if we do it, we go FLC is 74.8. Now, division. Now, people ask, why are we using division and not multiplication? Well, if we know the actual load, and that's what we have to have after an adjustment and correction, then what we use is division. Division allows us to look up to another conductor size so that when we do apply multiplication, it'll bring us back down to what the actual amp is and see if it can handle the actual load itself, which is again, 74.8 amps. That is the load, okay? Don't confuse the 125% as an actual, is the actual load. That is a multiplier that we use for continuous loads. Um, in this case, the actual real load is 74.8 amps. That is the load. Okay. So after adjustment and correction, I have to have a conductor that can handle 74.8 amps. So I'm going to take that 74.8. I'm going to divide that by 0.75. That results in a 99.73 amps. Now, what do I do? Now I'm going to go to where? 310.16. You guessed it. You're already catching on. I'm going to 310.16. And I'm going to be finding conductor again under the 75 degree column. Changes. And I'm coming down and it looks to me like it's still a three. Good for 100 amps. Absolutely. Right? So we're good with that right there. So it's also a three under this condition. So this one makes it easy for us, right? Because in this case, after following everything and we did before, it still would be a three gauge copper. Okay? It's good for 100 amps. So the point that I reason I used this example was because in this example, it wouldn't have made a factor. But if you were to throw in a different ambient, or if you were to throw in a, uh, and it wouldn't take much since this is right at 100, and that is 100, that 99 point whatever, um, you change this a little bit, elevate the ambient a little higher, and guess what? If it pushes it to 101, then you're screwed because then you're going to have to jump up into a 2 because it's over 100. So the little pieces matter, right? And so in this case, three gauge is good either way. Um, but because this question gave us an ambient temperature, we have to compare the two. Now, in our case, they're both three, so it wouldn't matter. But if this had have been resulted in needing to be a two gauge, then that would have been the larger conductor. And yes, 210.19A1 
uh, A1B would come into play, all right? So that's the reason why we go through processes like this in order to be able to explain it because I think a lot of people think that you can just go right to 430.22A and say, can't be less than 125%. But that's why it says at least 125%. After something you do adjustment and corrections due to ambience, it still has to be at least 125%. In our case, it's still 125%, in fact, greater than 125%. So we're okay, we're still good. All right, now, <clears throat> conclusions. The conclusion is, since 430.22 says the brain circuit must be at least 125%, right? And, and, and that's what we have of the FLC. That is a minimum conductor sizing rule. However, since we also have a condition of use, in this case, the ambient, we must remember that 210.19A1 as well, and that's going to ultimately tell us to look at 210.19A1B and make that comparison, okay? And again, the reason we're not looking at, at 210.19A1A is because we already know that 430.22 also is at 125%. So we don't really need it. It's already kind of taking care of itself and knocks that one out of the game, right? Okay. So that's where we're at for that. Remember, nothing in 430.22 or nothing in Article 310 for conductors permits us to ignore the effects of the condition of use on a conductor's insulation. Despite what people want to say, it does not. I don't get any permission in that. And I can tell you as working for a wire and cable manufacturer, we're okay with your sizing rules in 240 for the overcurrent device for short circuit and ground fault protection and all of those rules that seem to confuse people, right? Uh, like a circuit breaker can be up to 250% of the FLC. We get that and we understand how that works. But that's only for momentary because eventually it's going to be down to the running amps, okay? For us, it's so important that you protect that insulation. If you put it in a location with an elevated ambient temperature, that heat rise is going to violate the rating of that insulation. And in this case, THWN is only good for 75 degrees Okay, so you gotta be careful with that. And these are little things that you're not always taught in an exam prep book. This is why I wanted to do the, the, the coffee hour to explain that. Because these are the little tidbits that you can take with you, especially not only in real life, but if you get that curveball on an exam, right? All right, so either way, in our example, it didn't matter. It resulted in a three AWG either way, okay? So I know people like graphics, right? So I always like to throw some graphics in there. So this is a graphic of a motor, and I remind you of our deal here, okay? Buy a mug, electricianpride.com, show your support. Doesn't matter which size, send me a picture of you drinking some coffee with it so we can share it on our social media, and I'll give you a month access to our members-only area, okay? And you can evaluate whether or not you want to stay in there. Come to some of our Wednesday night sessions. Bring your questions. Dude, we love it. Okay. All right. Except for the basement king. He doesn't seem to come anymore. So I don't know what's up with that. All right. So here's an example. Let's say if we were doing it and we're not doing overloads. So the nameplate really doesn't matter to us in this occasion. Here's the same thing we just did. If we were doing it without the typical exam question, it doesn't give you an ambient temperature. It's pretty simple. 25 horsepower. We looked it up. 74.8 amps. 
at 125%, it's 93.5. We would go size a conductor. In our case, it would be 3AWG. Straightforward, this is probably what you would get on an exam, right? However, in our case, if we're thrown into the, uh, the 115 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, good question, Adam. I don't have any travel mugs. Give me a couple days and I will get a travel mug on there for you. Uh, because we do have them available. I just haven't added everything to the coffee hour line yet, but we will be adding that. So give me a couple of days. Same rule, same thing. If you don't get the coffee mug, you get anything. How about that? You get anything with our coffee hour logo on it. I'm going to give you a free month access to our members only area. All right. So here's a deal here. So this one is the real world one that we just did. So we have an ambient correction. We took care of that, 0.75. We went to 31015B1 for that, the table, okay? Uh, and then we have the multiplier, 0.75. We're doing division. Remember, we're going up to size the conductor so that we can multiply, and then we can see if it's still good enough to handle our actual load, which was 74.8 amps. And we did that, all right? So it was 99.73. You take that conductor which is good for 100 amps, you multiply that by 0.75, guess what? It's going to be enough to handle 74.8 amps, no problem, all right? So that's how we do it. This is a real world situation. Oh, you know, another question that people ask, I might as well, I'm, you know, I might as well cover this uh, while I'm here since, you know what, I like to do what other people don't do is I like to be original, have my own stuff, and I like to explain stuff, okay? Others like to copy other people, but I'm going to show you something. So, if I'm looking at the code right here, you see this table, 31015B1? This is based on 30 degrees C. So when you're using, see people ask me, when would I use B1 versus the B2, right? And the question for that is, it depends on the ampacity table you're working with. If I'm using 310.16, 310.17, you'll notice that table is based on 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're going to do an adjustment, I mean a correction, you're going to come here, okay? Correction. If you've got, you're dealing with 310.18, 19, 20, those tables, they're based on 40 degrees Celsius. So you're going to come to this table down here, see, based on 40 degrees Celsius. So that's why we tend to use this table. And there's some people out there that say, just draw an X across this. I would never tell you to do that because any question or any table in this code book is fair game for an electrical exam. The last thing I'd want you to do is tell you to mark something out. I have people that do that all the time. They say, well, just mark that column out or just mark this column out. Why would you do that? I want you to be what? Well-rounded in all of your applications, right? So don't do that. Just know what it applies to. And that's why I'm here. That's why I try to teach you these things, okay? So that's how that goes. So I just wanted to throw that in there in case, you know, Somebody's like, well, what does that mean? Why would we use this one over that one? Okay, so I like to do that if I can. All right. So let's kind of do some takeaways here. Um, hey, Phil, better late than never, brother. This will be available on rebroadcast, and I'm sure I will send it out again. It will be a re, uh, like a replay. But again, maybe you can watch it again, and you always can take little tidbits away from it. Okay. All right. So here's some takeaways. Be careful with how the question is written. Be sure to always read it multiple times before answering it. While the overcurrent protection can be larger than the amp rating of the conductors as permitted in 240.4G, okay, we get permission to, you remember those small conductor rules, which says a 14 gauge is good for 15 amps, 12 for 20, 10 for 30. 
Yeah, for normal applications, that's true. But you then get referenced over to under 240.4D, you get referenced over to G. And G is where it can modify those things. And that's where you get the motors in 430. That's where you get the 440 for HVAC and why the nameplates say what they do. Minimum circuit opacity, maximum overcurrent protection. All of those are permissive rules that are given to you in 240.4G by virtue of the reference in 240.4D, which is small conductor rules. So if you haven't watched my D-Rating Demystified 2.0 video, I encourage you to watch it, but you can only watch it if you're a monthly subscriber. If you're not, go pick up something with our Coffee Hour logo on it. See that? I changed that for you, Adam. Get something with our Coffee logo on it. Doesn't matter what it is. Send me a picture of it, and guess what? We will give you a month access, and you can get access to all those goodies that are only exclusive to members, all right? All right, and we got another big webinar coming up in a couple months that you get access to. If you're a member, only members get access, okay? Dude, best value going. All right, so next thing we want to look at is when something says at least, think minimums as, they, as there may be a condition of use that requires something to exceed the minimum in reality, okay? Next, electrical exams. Answer what they give you. Most practice exams in books and on the internet never give you an example of a motor branch circuit calculation with a condition of use. I challenge you to find one. Um, most of them, and I've got books here that are for exam prep, and I use them and I had for years, and I'm a big prolific buyer of other people's books. I like to stay educated. Don't I don't just teach this stuff. I'm always trying to learn, and if I don't know something and you can educate me, I am all ears, okay? I love to learn. At some point, this would be very boring to me if I wasn't learning something new. So if you can submit now, but don't give me your BS crap like Mr. Jackerson there. You're going to have to substantiate something. That's what code panel members are, and that's how I've kind of come to my rationale. You're going to have to substantiate it, not just what you believe, okay? And don't get me started on that, right? Okay. All right. Now, the next one is, oh, it's also remember that most of the time, all they're going to give you is the FLC, right? And they're going to tell you the, and then you're going to end up going to 430.20 and you're going to size it at 125% because they gave you no conditions of use. And that doesn't mean it's a bad question on the exam prep that they give you. That doesn't mean it's a bad question. Remember, don't solve for what you're not given. So if they don't tell you ambience, they don't tell you, there's some things they're going to assume that you know. Okay. Like if they give you the insulation rating, they give you the terminal ratings, they give you that the FLCs, then they're all going to assume that you know the rules like in 110.14C for terminals. And they're going to assume you know this. But don't play anything into a question that you just thinking, well, what's the ambient? It doesn't matter if it's not in the question. However, if it is in the question, you need to take that into consideration, right? I always want to make sure you take those things into consideration. All right, lastly, the 25-foot, I know somebody's itching to say that. That 25-foot plays no role in our calculation. It was just there to draw you away. And I am sure at that point, some people start going into voltage drop and doing the 3% or the 5% for the whole, 3% for the branch. Uh, look, in the real world, voltage drop should be something that, that you take into consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's not so much of a safety concern with motors because the motors are required to have either thermal protection or overload. So 
it's going to kick it off anyway. Um, so that's why voltage drop really isn't a big deal when it comes to the motors because of their design, what's inherent with the motor. That's not to say that voltage drop isn't important other places of the code. For example, fire pumps and sensitive electronic equipment, those require that you take voltage drop considerations. Other than that, it's just a recommendation. It's an informational note. We know informational notes are just good information. They're not enforceable, right? But great info. And I love informational notes in the code. Some people hate them. I love them. All right. And again, at the end, as we have shown, real world things are different than a potential exam question. Totally different. So you need to take those things always into consideration. And that was the whole point of this episode. Okay. So at the end, look, if you've got questions, you really want to learn the NEC deeper. You want to be connected with me. And you know what? Use me and abuse me. You might not like me. You might not like my attitude. I like to think I teach everybody. I don't like jackasses, though. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't try to befriend me and then turn into a jackass. I can point people, tell you who that is. I have helped literally thousands and thousands of people. I take phone calls from people all the time. I give of myself 24-7 to this industry. If your only interest is to communicate with me to become a jackass... I'm not interested in you. I don't have the time. I don't have the, 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 the bandwidth to consume working with you. I am only interested in your success. That's why I created the Academy. That's why for $395, literally, you get access to our course. You get access to me. You get access to the Wednesday nights. Dude, there's other people that charge over $1,000 or charge you $800 for a two-day crash course on weekends. You can never complain the fact that I answer your emails. I created a forum for you to answer, ask questions. Everybody else always wants to give their comments, but what do they do to the industry? How do they help the industry? So here's my thing to you. Consider the source and then step back and ask yourself, what have they done for the industry other than make money? Okay. I serve on code panels because I want to give back, right? I don't get paid to serve on code panels. I write these lessons because I want to give back. Sure, I want to have you buy my course. That's how I make a living. But I like to think that you get something for it. I like to think you get some value for it. I don't go on other people's shows. Have you ever noticed that? I don't go on other people's podcasts and videos promoting my stuff because I don't need to go whoring myself out to other people. That's all it can say it is. I'm also not living on my daddy's accomplishments. Everything that I do is by me. So whether you like me or not, hate me or whatever, I don't care. But I'm going to teach you something. You're going to learn something, I promise. So if you want more information on our program, go to the Fast Track System or FastTrackSystems.com. There's a free video on there that you can watch. Okay. Uh, and if you want to take your game to the next level, consider the CMECP program. We have Jason in the house. He's our most recent certified master electrical code professional. Uh, if you want to test your knowledge, put your test, put yourself to the test. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. We'd love to see you in the CMECP program as well. Again, that's not a moneymaker. We fail more people than actually pass in that program. So anyway, that's my piece. That's my coffee hour. Remember, you get something from Electrician Pride. That's electricianpride.com. And you get something with the coffee hour logo on it. Send me a picture of it and I will give you free access to our members only for one month. Okay. Now, if you're already a subscriber, hey, I love you. 
Thanks for, for supporting us. Most people that do the monthly, it's there because they just want to support us and they don't know how to do that. It's less than $119 a year, or you can do it monthly. Hey, it's a beautiful thing. We appreciate you. Trust me. Never think that I don't appreciate you, okay? All right. So anyway, at the end of the day, I'm here to answer your questions. I will always be here to answer your questions. Last night, I had my cat. Now, check it. Last night, my cat, I had to take my cat to the emergency veterinarian clinic, right? Guess what? At 9.30, 10 o'clock last night, I got a call from somebody wanting to ask me a code question. I answered my phone while I was with my cat, while I was at the emergency vet. You tell me anybody else that would do that, okay? I'm here for your success. You can like me, you can hate me, you can try to diss me. But here's the thing. What have you done? That's all I'm saying. So all those educators out there calling you out. All right, folks, that's it. Hopefully you got something out of this episode. I will take it back to me. Definitely a lot to grasp. There's a lot to learn in that episode. The key takeaways is ambience and number of current care conductors. There's nothing when it comes to motor brand circuits that tell you that you can ignore that. We do, some, we do have some rules for the overcurrent protection sizing that we're allowed to do, but not when it comes to conductors and the volatility of that insulation. That's the key. I don't think any other book out there gives that kind of example, so I wanted to do that for you today. So hopefully you got something out of that. I do appreciate you all. God bless, and we will catch you on the next episode of Coffee Hour. <laughs>